Hello, I'm Michael Brodeur, and welcome to Leaders Alliance. We are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are passionate about helping you become the world-changing leader that God created you to be. Join the conversation. Well, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Leaders Alliance podcast. And so we're really happy to have you with us during this uh, time of presentation. And we have a very special friend that's going to be speaking to us, Dr. Jennifer Miskov, who I've known for more than a decade. She's an amazing student and teacher on the subject of the history of revival and revival dynamics. And so we're going to introduce her in just a moment. But for those of you just tuning in to us today, I want to give you a little bit of a sense of who we are at Leaders Alliance. You know, we are an extension of a larger ministry called Catch the Fire. We have been uh, commissioned by Catch the Fire to build a bridge. Catch the Fire is a very powerful movement that began 28 years ago with an outpouring of the Holy Spirit in Toronto. And there's about maybe 200 churches that are involved right now in Catch the Fire. But uh, we want to build a bridge out to the greater body of Christ so that we can actually provide some of the resources and blessings that we've cultivated over the years to the greater church, but also so that the greater church can get to know us a little bit more and kind of get a little bit more involved. And so we are a global community of kingdom-minded leaders who are really passionate about bringing personal revival and, uh, and reformation in the church and transformation in the world around us. And so in order to do that, we have this, uh, we have our, our weekly uh, hub calls that we call them. Uh, they're on Zoom and we have our members involved. Usually 60, 80 of our members show up. We have about 170 or so that are involved right now, but you know, not everybody shows up the same week. And uh, for instance, next week though, we have a special guest and we have an open house uh, with uh, uh, Tony Kim. And he's a pastor of Renaissance Church in Bakersfield, California. He's also director of all of the churches globally for HIM, Harvest International Ministries with Che On. And so he's just an amazing leader who's an incredible speaker. He has a, a powerful vision for the transformation of the world around us. And so he'll be on next week. We want to encourage you to join us for that. It's going to be amazing. But now I, I have the privilege of introducing my dear friend, Dr. Jennifer Miskoff. So Jennifer, could you come on, please? And uh, so good to have you on this call. So oh, it's great, great to be with you, Michael. And, uh, you know, Jennifer and I have known each other for, gosh, more than 10 years. Uh, we met here in Redding, California. She, We have similar roots going back into the vineyard. I was a vineyard pastor in San Francisco. She was involved deeply in the, the Southern California brand of of uh, vineyard. And uh, But we met up here. We, we had a, just an amazing series of she had a, a house of, of ministry called Destiny House where she was doing discipleship, and it was just amazing. They had gatherings on a weekly basis where the power of God would move and healings and miracles would take place. And they also helped us launch our book called Destiny Finder, which was amazing. She did an official book launch because that's one of the things you do is you're actually a, a writing coach in addition mm -hmm. to being a, a professor of revival. And so why don't you take a few minutes and just share your story? I'd like to hear, you know, start to finish, like kind of where you are right now, beginning yeah. at the beginning. And then we'll dive into some topics that I believe will really be helpful to everybody on the call. So Yeah. Well, it's so good to be together with you, Michael. You're one of my favorite people, and I've been so blessed by friendship with you. So it's an honor to be here. But yeah, I am literally right now in Anaheim full circle. Um, 
<clears throat> I have been around the world and everywhere in between, and God recently brought me back uh, here, which is really beautiful story. But I'm from Orange County. I grew up uh, under John Wimber and the Vineyard Movement, um, basically grew up in revival. That was all I really ever knew and uh, ended up going to Vanguard University, which is a Pentecostal university, studied pastoral care, youth ministry, um, also was an avid surfer. That's actually me in um, uh, really? Bali right there, um, wow. keeping, keeping the, the, the waves, riding the waves of the spirit and the real waves. So I grew up bodyboarding and uh, I was actually uh, heavily into it, almost decided not to go to Vanguard to pursue a professional career in bodyboarding. I com competed in everything. Thank God I went to school, though. Um, great choice. But I still I still surf and bodyboard as much as I can. And um, it was in around 1999, the year 2000, when I was at Vanguard, that this short little blonde woman came and got on her knees and sang acapella worship over all these rich white students. I had no idea the story she was talking about. didn't know what she was saying, but I just remember that woman is like the most like Jesus I've ever seen. I need to be with her. I need to hang out with her. I need to let her rub off on me and had no idea at the time. This is before Heidi Baker of Iris global was even known um, at a big, at a, at a global level. And I ended up, going on this trip to Mozambique with Vanguard. And I didn't even know they were connected and found out, oh, that's Heidi's ministry. And so I ended up staying six months in Mozambique because I was graduating. I wanted to be a missionary. And uh, that was powerful. Wow. Living in Mozambique for six months, I planted a church, uh, Camp 2000 in a refugee camp. Um, I think I was 21, 22 years old. And uh, I had already, I think I started preaching when I was 16, 17, 18, just always knew at a young age, I was called to preach and to minister. And, and then meeting someone like Heidi and seeing another woman doing it was really encouraging for me. And uh, that was a significant time in my life. It wasn't a big change though, because I kind of grew up in revival. And so uh, it was really amazing to see bread multiply, meet pastors who'd raise people from the dead, pray for someone who's got a headache, a demon manifest, you cast out the demon, you know, meet witch doctors. I mean, it's like the book of Acts, you're living it. So really beautiful um, time, obviously. And also Heidi became such a, a sweet, dear spiritual mother, later ordained me. And I learned so much, ended up transitioning back to SoCal, worked at Starbucks for five years. I, I became a manager and a trainer and a coach. Yay. And actually talk about leadership. I think I probably learned some of the most about leadership um, by being in Starbucks with the training they gave me and being hands-on. I learned so much. I loved it and ended up having this dream to write this book. God put a message in my heart and he really drew me to the story of Joshua, Caleb, Joshua and Caleb not leaving um, bondage in Egypt to freedom in the, in the desert, but leaving freedom in the desert to abundance in the promised land. And I felt like that's my life calling to help bring a shift, help people who are in freedom, step into the abundance and step into the abundant life. Jesus died for them to have the John 10, 10, the Ephesians three twenty. I think so many Christians have yet to actually experience the fullness of the Holy spirit, the fullness of the kingdom of God. And so I'm like, this is what I'm born for. And God gave me an allegory. And I started writing a book 
I didn't write fiction before that. So it was new kind of genre. And I'm like, I can't release this book if I'm not living my dreams. And because I was writing that book, I realized I have to go pursue my dream. And one of them was to teach, to actually to teach at Vanguard one day where I graduated from. And I said, okay, I'm going to quit my job, sell my car. I'm going to move to England and pursue greater education because I can't release this book with integrity if I'm not following my own dreams. And so 2007 to 2011, I did just that. And I ended up doing a PhD on the life and legacy of Carrie Jeb Montgomery. Amazing. God sent me from Southern California to England to read a little paragraph in my professor's book about this woman, forgotten healing revivalist who pioneered the earliest healing homes in California, wow. was a preacher, amazing woman of God, and nobody but a a master's thesis had really been researched or written upon her. And I really felt the Lord sent me to England to discover her. And I did my whole PhD on her life and legacy. And turns out she ended up doing stuff in California where I'm from, but God brought me to England to discover her. And so I really feel like I, I encountered so much of the Holy spirit. And I tell people like I met Jesus in high school when I struggled to make friends in the girls locker room alone at lunch, reading the Bible, I realized religion's not about rules. Don't do this. Don't do that. It's about this man named Jesus who's madly in love with me. And I gave my life completely to him. And I, I feel like I learned about, I really got to know the Holy Spirit when I moved to England and when I studied revival history. And so education, you know, can make you fall more in love with Jesus. I am proof <laughs> to that. And uh, fell in love with their story. And then towards the end of that time was being drawn prophetically um, really felt called back to California. Wasn't sure if it was Southern California or Northern California. I met a team from Bethel Reading in Mozambique for the first time. And I took them to a refugee camp and I just connected and I'm like, one day I'm gonna be back there. I visited and I just felt like this was the time. So I moved up in 2011 to Reading. It's around the time I got to connect with you, Michael, for the first time mm -hmm. and didn't have a car because I sold it to go to England, didn't have money, barely any money, didn't have a job, no jobs were opening. I was desperate. God led me to this house on Placer Street in Reading. And he put this dream in my heart to have a house with girls and worship Jesus and like live, you know, live life on life and do like real discipleship and the glory, you know, in person. And that's a whole long story, but God miraculously opened up um, in 20, in, in uh, February of 2012, opened up the, the floor for me to be in this house. Wow. And I put all the money I had as deposit, as, as the deposit. And then the rest of the money I had as the first month's rent, not knowing if I would be able to pay for rent number two, but I pulled from Carrie Judd Montgomery's testimony because she only had uh, money for the first few months rent when she pioneered her uh, first healing home before uh, there was healing homes and her healing home still exists to this day. We're actually going there next month with my school of revival to celebrate uh, a retreat in 1893. It's in Oakland, California. It's still there and people are gathering and encountering God. And I'm like, if she, if she could do it and said, yes, then I could do it. So her testimony actually catalyzed me for my debt, my destiny. And the Lord provided seven years later, we had 
I mean, six months later, we had nine people. Then we had the upstairs. We had the whole house, 21 people. Then they built a duplex next door. Literally, God was blessing the land. Then we had a guy's house. And then we had too many people to do like intentional community well. But God, as you know, Michael did, he did miracles in that house and did so many things as we gathered regularly to worship. And it was beautiful. And then... And then everything started to change 2017, 2018. I go to Maui. The Lord is starting to shift things. He's telling me to let go of Destiny House. I didn't want to do that. I didn't want to let go of Reading. I go to Maui for just a few weeks and then the fires hit Reading. Mm -hmm. And not long before that, where I was staying in, in the in-between place, they were moving to Texas and they're like, you have to leave. And I'm like, okay, I guess um, I need to pack up my stuff before, before I go to Maui. So anyways, I'm in Maui, fires hit. I end up getting invitations to stay in Maui. I extend my trip again and again, three and a half months later. I don't come back. I'm supposed to teach at BSSM. I'm supposed to do YWAM. I'm supposed to preach in churches. The Lord was really telling me to let go of something I didn't want to let go of. And I remember preaching at this one church in um, Virginia when I came back from Maui, the first stop. And I remember this pastor was so hungry and he was sitting on the edge of his seat, like waiting on every word. And I realized I can't go back to Reading. It's oversaturated with anointed people. There's hungry people around the world that need what I carry. I want to go and find them and pour out to those who don't have the access to uh, an amazing community in Reading. So I never wanted to leave Reading. God kind of kicked me out, kind of you know, like pulled up the nest, you know, like the Eagles yeah, do that sure, make you sure. leave. And um, to all of 2019, I jumped on a plane and I traveled the world, mostly Europe, started in Australia. And I was uh, ministering, did our first school revivals all of 2019. I didn't have an address, didn't know where I was going to land. I thought I was going to move to Europe. And this is crazy. The very end um, in Belgium, doing a school revival, giving stuff away thinking my next destination is Europe. And this is like October, 2019. I get an email from a Vanguard professor. It talks about me teaching at Vanguard, which was a dream in my heart wow. you know, before I moved That's to England. Amazing. And and I had applied right when I came back and there was no open door. So I went to Reading and that was amazing. I kind of forgot about this dream. And I get this email. I'm like, I don't even know what to do with this because I'm in Europe. Yeah. And I'm ready to move there. And then I, I'm in Paris the next week. I call, call him, talk on the phone. He's like, well, I'll be home next week. Let's just meet in person. And he was talking about me teaching online. And I'm like, I don't like teaching online. So anyways, I meet with him in person. This is late 2019, planning to move my life to Europe. And, and I tell him I don't want to teach online. And he's like, well, if you lived here, I'd give you my class. I'm like, what's your class? And he's like, it's history of Pentecostalism. I'm like, wow. that's what I did my PhD on. And I wrote a book about Azusa Street Revival. And so I had to grapple with, do I bring revival to Europe or do I teach about revival here? And I struggle with that. And then I had a conversation with a spiritual mother who really felt the Lord on it. Um, and within a week, everything shifted. I finally, I needed to land somewhere because I was tired of living out of a suitcase for a year. I knew um, I knew I needed to be somewhere. So I ended up saying yes to teach at Vanguard. So I taught. So I, 2020, 
beginning of 2020, I decided to relocate to Orange County full circle, my home full circle, like with family, full circle with the church I grew up in, full circle with the university I graduated with. So I start teaching about Azusa Street at Vanguard in 2020. It's their 100 year anniversary wow. of the school, a dream yeah. I had 20 years ago when I graduated in 2000 to teach there 20 years later, I'm teaching and we teach, I'm teaching about Azusa. And then in March of 2020, I take my class to the Bonnie Bray house wow. and where the Azusa street revival is birthed and the power of the glory of God comes is special. We meet for one other day and then COVID hits. Everything shuts down. I don't see my students ever again after that point. Oh, I shifted man. to online uh, and I continued to teach the class and I ended up teaching again. But in May of 2020, I was texting a pastor friend um, in Texas and I was, he, he was encouraging me to do an online school of revival. I'm like, I don't know if anyone's going to want to come. This is lockdown, right? Everything yeah. shut down. Now I'm like more comfortable with online. And I'm like, I'll just try one. So I did a 10 day online intensive every morning and 33 people came. Somehow wow. they found me from around the world and it was powerful. And then I was done and everyone's mm -hmm. like, what's next? And I'm like, that's it. We're done. And they're like, what's next? And I'm like, um, that's it. And they're like, no, we want more. We found our tribe. We found our people. And wow. so I did another one. Another so 10 day intensive. And yeah. then I did another one. So now two years later, we're finishing second year, about to go into third year. I quit Vanguard. I quit teaching the seminary. I'm doing my own online school revival full time. And the Lord has provided. He's blessed me. People around the world are finding family and getting connected. Amazing. Crazy encounters. Amazing. And um, I feel like right now I'm just living my dream. I'm, I'm, I'm gathering people who are passionate about what I carry with revival history and bringing present day people. You know, you were actually the part of the very first school of revival, Michael. Yeah, that's true. That was that's pretty awesome. amazing. Yeah. And so it's still going strong and um, right. it's amazing to see kind of what we saw at destiny house, that space of uh, safety for people to take risks, be in the river, be with the Holy spirit, take risks and fail in a place where they're celebrated. Um, like a greenhouse we're seeing that yeah. actually online like wow. that same thing we're so seeing good. there we're seeing but we would see people weep the connections like someone lost their son a missionary in africa mm -hmm. lost his son during a school of revival and there was one moment i'll never forget and mostly like a lot of women powerful intercessor women all different ages we had this moment where the we started to weep with him he lost wow. his son tragically wow. and and he wasn't able to weep at that time because it was so fresh. And you just have this moment waiting on the Holy Spirit in the Zoom. We call it the upper Zoom room. Wow. And the Spirit of God falls and these women start to weep for his oh. loss. And I mean, only God can make that wow. happen where you find like that kindred heart connection family wow. um, in a lockdown over. I mean, it was just it's supernatural. It still is. But anyways, that's, that's so a brief amazing. journey of the last oh, man. decades of my life. Powerful. Hey, well, you know, obviously you're probably one of the, um, I don't know, you might be one of the only <laughs> young women with a, a PhD in revival history. Um, I'd love you to give us a sweep, just a quick sweep through, you know, the history of revival as you've seen it. I don't know how far back you want to go, but certainly first great awakening, but you can go back further if you want to, but just how has God moved throughout mm. the ages and what are some of the threads we can see? 
Oh, that's a good question. Well, there's the Protestant Reformation, 1517, Martin Luther um, going against really just an act of courage, penning some thesis to invite conversation against a religious spirit, which obviously catalyzes a, a great move of God. Um, and that impacts um, later on, you get refugees in Hernhut, Germany, um, the Moravians, they're yeah. fleeing the religious persecution. And these, these people from Moravia, which is present day Czech Republic, go to this man, this nobleman named Count von Zinzendorf and um, ask, hey, and this is important for now. This story is so important with all the refugees, right? This man named Christian David says, hey, can I have a place to live on your land. I'm a refugee. I need a place to stay. And Zinzendorf realized this was part of his destiny. He said yes to this refugee. And this guy brought more people over and ended up having this amazing commune. I think it was 1727 around there. They ended up having conflict in their community. So there's like, we can't have this. We need unity. Had a meeting at a church in Berseldorf. I'm probably not saying that right. Holy Spirit crashes in. It's the Moravian Pentecost. And they're like, how do we steward this fire? The way we steward it is intercession. They birthed the 100-year prayer movement, 24-7 wow. prayer movement. And then from that, years later, they sent missions. Missionaries around the world sold themselves into slavery, ended up going on a boat to America and in that boat encountered a storm. And in that storm, they were worshiping in the midst of that storm. And an English man named John Wesley watched that and was completely marked. And that later catalyzed, John Wesley catalyzed the Great Awakening. He had his defining moment in a church in England when someone was reading the preface to the book of Romans written by Martin Luther. So you can see wow. the thread. And as wow. he's hearing that, his heart is strangely warm. He's gripped with a fresh move of the Holy Spirit. And he is just catalyzed. Um, New Year's Eve, um, not long later, he's gathering with his friends with a love feast. And they're just worshiping, praying. Holy Spirit crashes in at 2, 2.33 in the morning. And that is the beginning of the Great Awakening. Him and his brother and George Whitfield start preaching open air. They preach anywhere. They don't. They get kicked out of all the churches. So they're like, let's make sure the common person can encounter the gospel. They see crazy signs and wonders. Yeah. So people like think nothing ever happened. You read John Wesley's journal. There's like people in trances, people doing crazy manifestations, and he's making sure there's space. He's not shutting it down because he sees wow. God's moving. Methodist movement gets birth. That's how we get the circuit riders and the fire keeps spreading. That influenced the holiness movement, which 1800s, Carrie Judd Montgomery was a key in unlocking um, healing and healing becoming uh, something that was embraced. And so wow. her healing was crucial. Her stewarding her testimony is crucial. And then evangelicalism begins to embrace he divine healing. Um, lots of stuff happens in that. But then we get into early 1900s. And then you have Welsh revival. 1903 begins with this one girl, Flory Evans, a teenager, says, I love Jesus Christ with all my heart. Holy Spirit's release crashes in revival's birth. They start taking this new move of God to different cities. This man, this young student named Evan Roberts had been praying and fasting for over 10 years to see revival in Wales. Praying, like just vigilant, wouldn't go out and have fun with his friends, but literally just wanted what God had for him. 
And then he has, he meets these people, has his defining moment. He says, bend me, bend me. The Lord crashes in and spends a little time processing. And then October 31st. Okay. How cool is this thread, Michael? Check this yeah. out. October 31st. Um, he ends up, God speaks to him to go to Mariah Chapel, his home church. He speaks and there's like a handful of people. I think like less than 15 people get saved October 31st, 1904, I believe. But guess the day when Martin Luther pinned the theses on the right. door in Wittenberg was right. October 31st, 1517. So that is one wow. anointed day where Reformation and revival was birthed. And then right. from that, 100,000 people get saved in less than six months. It's a prayer marked wow. by, it's a, it's, a, it's a revival marked by prayer, testimony, worship, and just welcoming the Holy Spirit. Oh, the Spirit man. of God moves. It's a singing revival. There's worship. I mean, it's so special. And then this intercessor in Los Angeles named Frank Bartman says, pray for the same revival that's being released in Wales to touch California. He'd been praying and fasting. And in the midst of that time, you have this blind in one eye, son of slaves, African-American, William J. Seymour. God's bringing him to California too. And he's praying for revival. Right. He's hungering for a baptism of the Holy Spirit. Evan Roberts is praying for revival to happen in California. And then in April 9th, 1906, in a little house in Los Angeles on Bonnie Bray Street, a handful, I think it was 16 African-Americans, gathered together, one agenda. They just want a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit. So they wait on the Holy Spirit. William J. Seymour preaches on Acts chapter 2 about oh. the baptism of the Holy Spirit, speaking in tongues before he's even had the experience because it's in the word of God. And as he's speaking, Jenny Evans Moore falls out in the spirit in that meeting, in that house, gets up speaking in tongues and wow. goes over to the piano, never played the piano before, sings and plays in the anointing and sings in other tongues. And they realize the breakthrough they've been praying and waiting for had happened. This is at a time before people really spoke in tongues. Not long later, William J. Seymour spoke in tongues. They moved out a week or so later to a place uh, on Azusa Street, people from around the world came and encountered the Holy Spirit and they began to spread it. Global Pentecostalism was birthed wow. and the rest is kind of history, but um, that's a, a, a wide stroke. I mean, the momentum of all these revivals right. keeps building. And so we're not just pulling from one well revival, right. we're pulling from the momentum, the synergy of ages. And right now the yeah. Jesus people movement, all that, like we yeah. have all that history momentum to go even further in our day. That's so true. And we had obviously the healing revivals, revivalists in the, the 30s, 40s, 50s, and then, you know, the emergence of the charismatic movement in the 60s, and then followed by the Jesus movement. Mm -hmm. And now what some are calling third wave or you know, I mean, it really is rolling. It really is continuing. And that's so phenomenal. In fact, one thing, I don't know if our listeners know this, and maybe you can comment on this. You did a little bit when you were talking about uh, the Wesleys, was that there has always been signs and wonders throughout the history mm -hmm. of the church. You know, if you go back to, you know, the 13th century and you you deal with, you know, Fran St. Francis, some of the mm -hmm. most amazing miracles took place under his ministry, even though they had a little bit of screwy doctrine. You know, it's like uh, the camp meeting revival. Uh, yeah. Jonathan uh, Edwards, you know, the, the tremendous anointing of, of conviction that would come during Charles Finney's gatherings. Mm -hmm, I mean, just, mm -hmm. you know, 
so even though we look at 1906 as a as a pivotal moment where the Pentecostalism really began, even as you as you uh, uh, quoted about uh, Carrie Montgomery, that she was moving in healing prior to 1906. So again, it's it's really interesting how the Holy Spirit has been moving in different and various ways throughout all of history. Any thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. If we go to the primary sources, if we look deep into history, we'll realize the phenomena and the crazy manifestation and signs we're seeing now are not actually new and they were happening before. And so I think that's why we have to be really careful not to throw out the baby with the bathwater today. We we have to be careful not to be quick to judge what is the Holy Spirit and what's not, because I really feel like God's going to reveal himself and pour out his spirit in a way that may look uncomfortable, in a way he's maybe never done before, um, in a way that looks different. And so I think we have to be really careful. Um, Jesus came as a baby, a vulnerable baby. Nobody thought, you know, the Son of God would come that way. I think we have to be really careful and really humble. Um, Carrie Judd Montgomery, she was 50 years old, um, 1908, she's like, I need to check out this Azusa Street Revival stuff. She's already an established minister. She's already got a great ministry, a great platform, healing. And there's this weird new sign and wonder now happening um, yeah. in her generation. She's like, well, if that's God, even if it's weird and looks different and there's criticism, I want all that God has for me. And so we yeah. have to position ourselves um, for what God wants to do, even if it might look different. Yeah, even in the most recent season of Calvary Chapel, hosting mm-hmm. really one of the greatest harvests of recent history, for sure. You know, Diane was uh, baptized at Corona Del Mar, you know, during the, the height of that time in 73, 74. And, and she said, you know, every weekend there'd be 10 pastors in the water baptizing people. Wow. It's estimated like 300 or 400 people every week came to Christ. Wow. Wow. I mean, it's just, but then, of course, we have, you know, uh, 10 years later, John Wimber shows up with Lonnie mm-hmm. Frisbee and uh, Chuck Smith says, wow, I'm just not comfortable with the, the level of presence of God, healings and manifestations that are happening. And then 20 years later, we have, you know, some, something similar happening with Toronto. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and again, I'm, I'm not, I love Chuck Smith. I love John Wimber. I love yeah. Toronto. Yeah. But there is a sense in which each new wave of the Holy Spirit can sometimes be polarizing. Um, that that probably is pretty true throughout history as well, correct? It, it's unfortunate that usually the first to criticize the next move, new move of God was the people vanguarding and leading the previous move of God. And that's why we have to be really, really careful um, yeah. to not feel like we have it and ours is the only way and God's only going to yeah. use us. But if God's going to do something different and shift and pivot, then let's be all in for what he's doing, even if it feels outside of our comfort zone. Amen. And, you know, part of my passion is is on the revival side, but it's not just the revival, but it's it's the idea of how do we prepare mm-hmm. and how do mm-hmm. we get ready and, and what are some of the keys? And in our earlier members call, you shared a few keys that I thought were really good. Um, do you want to just hit those really quickly? Can you just like yeah. name them kind of fast? And, and yeah. then we'll go into talking a little bit more about some other keys. Yeah. Uh, number one, I think we have to remain open for it looking different than what we expect. That's really important. Um, we also have to make sure that we are staying full of the oil of the Holy Spirit. 
Um, mm -hmm. That's huge, Matthew 25. We need to um, be prioritizing intimacy with Jesus. He is the vine. Mm -hmm. We are the branches. If we want to steward revival when it comes, this billion, billion soul harvest, we need to make sure that we can sustain it. And, yeah. um, and we can steward and do our parts and we have to be connected with the Lord and filled up with him all the time. Right. Um, I think, uh, what was, <laughs> I gotta get my notes. Focus. On this one. I remember you focus. Oh yeah. Focus. Yeah. yeah. Matthew, uh, stay focused, um, stay in your lane. That's Hebrews 12. Um, especially when revival starts to break out, there's going to be so a lot of busyness, like, yeah. and it's good busy because doing stuff, but we have to make sure to steward what God's and called and trusted us. The Ephesians 2.10 um, works and assignments yeah. and stay, we have to stay in our lane. It'll be easy to try and do everything else, but we have to really steward our part of what we're, we're called to play. Yeah. Um, and what was, do you remember another one? Oh, I think stay on fire or you had yeah. a, Stay yeah. and live a life of fire. Yep. Good job. Yeah. Thanks. <laughs> um, it, it imprinted and, me, so I got yeah, it. Yeah, good. Know? Oh, good. So live a life of fire. And that's a great thing to do now before it gets too hectic and too crazy and busy. Fasting is a great way to remain in the fire. But really, in this time, ask the Holy Spirit to um, search your heart, to permeate, to refine. Because when revival comes, when the glory comes, um, if we're not purified, it could crush us. If we're not prepared, right. it could crush us. And so now is the time get reconciled because yeah. if you're not, if you have bitterness, unforgiveness, if you have hidden things, when revival comes, it's all going to be exposed. So why not yeah. like prepare your heart now, be humble, be purified, be consecrated so that when it comes, we're able to steward um, the glory. Uh, also, it's really yeah. important that we invest in family and community um, because when all these people get saved, they need to be discipled. They need to grow in right. family. And so um, really, like even if we just take one or two people to disciple, we don't want um, knee deep Christians like the Welsh revival. Some people yeah. didn't make it long term because um, they didn't make it long term because they weren't being discipled. So God raised up Reese House to do an intercession school, which was great um, and, wow. and really bring discipleship. But we really need discipleship in place and family, healthy family to embrace. So it's even beyond discipleship. It's right. welcoming sons and daughters. And, um, you know, uh, I think uh, also I was sharing before, we, we need to learn how to be yielded to the Holy Spirit. We need to learn yeah. how to make space for the Holy Spirit. We, yeah. we need to learn how to be in the glory, be in the presence, be in the river so we can move when the Spirit's moving and go left when he's going left, go right when he's going right, and actually allow him to disrupt our plans, disrupt our schedules, and just be completely yielded. That's so good. You know, one of the the things that I care about a lot is, um, well, it really comes from John Wimber. John Wimber, I like to mm -hmm. say, was an expert in both the art of church and the science mm -hmm. of church. Mm -hmm. In other words, the wine and the wineskin. I call it the coffee and the cup. It's like, yeah. you know, coffee is what gives us the zing, but without a cup, mm -hmm. it's pretty hard to get the coffee to your mouth. Yeah. And so most of my ministry life has been spent in the local church as a, mm -hmm. as a senior pastor. Mm -hmm. now, I've, I've hosted revival, you know, in the 90s, we did 
18 months of nightly meetings, six nights a week with, you know, tens of thousands of people wow. coming in our 1200 seat auditorium in the very heart of San Francisco. Um, uh, about 10 years later, we did another season of major outpouring with incredible healings. Um, I love revival, but I also have spent most of my time on the discipleship side, the mm -hmm. wineskin side. Mm -hmm. um, I wonder what we're mm -hmm. seeing for this coming season, because one of the mm -hmm. problems I see is just the the fact that church is so stage-centered right now that it ends up producing a lot of spectators, a lot of consumers, but not a lot of mobilized individuals who are empowered to mm -hmm. be the church. And, and I'm, I'm expecting one element of this coming revival to be a massive mobilization. Like the fire is going to be lit on everybody and everybody's going to be a priest and a king unto God. How do you see that? How do you see this next season? Like as you look ahead, what do you see as the earmarks of what's coming? That's a really, really great question. Uh, I, I definitely agree. I do feel there's something about the church leaving the four walls of the building and realizing all of us realizing at a greater um level that we are the church that right. the people of god are the temple of the living god and so it happens at work it happens you know in your home it's it needs to be all encompassing um, i also feel like god wants to prepare us for persecution increased persecution mm. in, in america and the in the west um and that other nations are already experiencing heavily that's why fasting mm -hmm. is preparation consecrations preparation connecting deeply with believers prayer um because that's actually i mean you, the fastest growing church in the book of acts they were all persecuted um wow. and so wow uh, and actually every single disciple but one was martyred for their faith so what does it look like to raise up disciples straight yeah. from the harvest with the mindset of they would be willing to lay down their life for the gospel. And I think that's what we have to start equipping and training people. It's not just God gives me all this great stuff if I say yes to Jesus, but actually mm -hmm. it's saying yes to come live and die. And I think yeah. the whole um, aspect of suffering, we need to build, rebuild back into our theology mm -hmm. as something that's a privilege and an honor. And I feel like we actually, we need to prepare people for the cost as well. It's Jesus died before there was a resurrection. And, yeah. and I think it's all because of love. We're not trying to martyr ourselves, but we just finished a school of revival on the theme of martyrdom. So it's very fresh, but <laughs> um, I have friends in other countries and the stories they're telling me. It, it it's it's just a matter of time before we experience more and i really feel we need to prepare people for that level of yeah. devotion to christ that's so good you know actually um i'm thinking about a um a documentary i saw called sheep among wolves mm -hmm. volume two yeah and uh it begins with this woman going to lead her house church she's going and she it's it's about the fastest growing church in the world which is in the nation of iran Okay. And she's about to go to her house group. And she says, well, I may be arrested. And if I am arrested, I will be tortured and raped and I may never see my children again. You know, it's like yeah. this kind of intensity, this kind of passion for Jesus is something that, that most Americans don't even have a clue about. Most people in the Western yeah. culture don't have a clue yeah. about. And I feel like there is something about it where, where, you know, they say that, you know, uh, the blood of the saints is the seeds of revival. You know, that there's this idea yeah that um, teaching people how to suffer, especially right now we are in a hyper-positive 
Christianity right now. And hyper-positive Christianity can tend to engender a certain kind of uh, entitlement. Like, you know, Jesus, it's all about me, Lord. It's all about Jesus blessing me and curling up on my father's lap. And obviously those things are true. We have mm -hmm. intimacy with the Father. We have the love of the Son, the presence of the Holy Spirit. These things are true, but unto what is the yeah. question. So I, I think one of the things that I could say in preparing is that we need to raise up the mothers and fathers. Amen. Amen. You know, actually, in other words, now that we're, we're, I mean, I think what you said in the members meeting is that you see the, the wave beginning to crest. Mm -hmm. and start crashing down in this coming season. I could I could go for that. I see it maybe a little bit further out, like it's just starting to rise. Like and and so we do have a, a year or two or three or four, maybe before the real intensity hits. Mm -hmm. And we do have time to raise up mothers and fathers. How would you do that? Like if you were uh, talking to some pastors, yeah, pastors, here's what I would do to get those mothers and fathers in place for the babies that are coming. How would yeah. you? Yeah. I mean, that's what I'm doing with my online school of revival. I'm right. The whole purpose of the school is to raise up mothers and spiritual mothers and father fathers to steward this incoming billion soul harvest. And so wow. the way I I'm doing that is equipping them with a lot of revival history stories of the past, but also with present day, similar themes like martyrdom. So we had uh, one of the speakers of our, our school was the, the guy that helped produce that film that you just mentioned, wow. Sheep Among Wolves. Wow. And we had we had a guest speaker um, whose mother had been martyred and he had been tortured and persecuted. And so, wow. and then we have time to build each other up and pray and prophesy. Um, but I do feel like um, the way that we're going to build and grow mothers and fathers is create a space, a safe space for them to feel like family. Yeah. And um, for them to feel loved, healed and delivered, like the mothers and fathers, like we're seeing people that come insecure and in this community and space of love and encouragement and covering and prophecy, they're actually realizing what God's put in their life and they're stepping out in confidence. And these are grandmas or they're, you uh, know, fathers or grandfathers. And they're really? realizing, oh, I have an important role to play. So I think, um, making sure there's a space where they're seen, known and loved and actually building into them. So they get healed up. So they get restored. So they know their destiny. They know their identity. Kind of like what you're doing, Michael, the destiny finder stuffs, helping, yeah. helping them and then getting them established. So then they feel confident and trusting the Lord and they're healed up for the most part. So they can take in orphans and sons and daughters. Um, but there's some, we have to break off the orphan Christianity. And I think right. that's by, uh, creating spaces. Um, we have too much programmatic and agenda focused meetings and things. What about connecting? What about hearing mm -hmm. people's hearts? What about family? So we have to have spaces where family can be cultivated real, like deep kindred oh. spirit connections so that when more people come in, it's relational based more than program based. That's what was so special about Carrie Judd Montgomery. Wow. Um, one of her dear friends, A.B. Simpson, who started Christian Missionary Alliance, he never spoke in tongues. That yeah. divided a lot of people back yeah. in the day, but right. they remained friendship because her her web was more relational based than right. denominational based. And I feel like right. we have to, um, regardless of differences, what does it look like to be in covenant relationship? What does it look like to yeah. say, I'm choosing you, whether I agree with you or not, because God's put us together and I'm going to fight for you. And I think, man, 
that bringing people into that place of covenant and commitment to each other and love, even if it looks different, is, is right. a, a, like a sweet spot for people to grow and flourish into who they're called to be. Well, and, and A.B. Simpson did heal the sick, too, you know, so mm-hmm. it was awesome that uh, the, C, the CMA you know, denomination was emerged out of that time. Yeah. And so probably it was a little bit of uh, Carrie Judd Montgomery's uh, influence on him that maybe helped in some of that. Anyway, um, but, you know, one of the things I was I was praying about a couple of weeks ago, trying to understand, like, what would be one of the earmarks of this coming move of God? Because maybe it won't be more radical manifestations necessarily. Mm-hmm. Maybe it'll mm-hmm. be weeping. You know, maybe it'll be. Mm-hmm. And I felt like the love's, the Lord spoke to me and, and mm-hmm. that a clear one of the key uh, earmarks will be love. Amen. I felt like this will be a revival of love. Mm-hmm. And I think what you're talking about in terms of family, in terms of connection, in terms of us, mm-hmm. um, even if you don't have a lot of skill in mentoring and discipling, mm-hmm. if you have love, it, it covers a multitude <laughs> of challenges. And, uh, and, and I feel like that love issue, especially right now when there's so much polarization, mm-hmm. not just polarization in the, in the political world, obviously it's there, in the culture wars that are going on, it's mm-hmm. there. But even in the church, like there's so much heresy mm-hmm. hunting going on and there's so much, you know, a lack of real brotherhood in the body of Christ right now. Um, any thoughts about that? You know, any any ideas about what it would take to find mm. ourselves in a baptism of love? Oh, I 100% agree with you, Michael. And you see the enemy try to divide relationships and partnerships and churches because he knows he's afraid what would happen if they are unified. Because right. God, there's God commands a blessing on the unity of the saints, and right. you see that churches are ripped apart because their their perspective is so low, and we need the perspective of heaven, and we need to put aside our differences so that we can run after the Lord um, for our generation together. And so, um, even William J. Seymour, towards the end of his life, said, mm-hmm. "Speaking in tongues is not the fruit of the baptism of the Holy Spirit; love is." And wow. um, he's like, I don't care if you speak all these tongues, but don't have love, you know. And and so I think it it is a mark, um, and it needs to be a mark. And wow. there's we need to fight for unity, really at all costs. The world needs us to get along. The world needs us to come into alignment. Yeah. Um, it, life is too short uh, to, you know, be divided over things that really don't matter if you have the greater perspective. So, right. I. I totally agree with you. And I feel like love, um, and that's the great thing. Anybody can love and it's a, it's a yes, right? Anyone could be a spiritual mother or father. If they just give God a yes and say, use me, like I'm an empty vessel, use me for whatever you want to do. All it takes is a yes. You don't have to be qualified. Like he, he anoints and, and qualifies the called. All you have to do is, is give a yes. And he'll take, that's why I love stories like Lonnie Frisbee. And you look at his life and the brokenness in this man, and he wasn't perfect by any means, but he said yes to the Holy Spirit. And God used him to catalyze multiple movements, Jesus yeah. people, Vineyard, Calvary. I mean, and it, sure. and it was just a yielded yes. Cannot, can't God do the same with one person saying, yes, I'm all in no matter what, what it looks like. I feel like he can. And I feel like, yeah, it, 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 there's something powerful in love. 
Wow, that's so good. Now, you've had the privilege of working alongside some pretty amazing leaders. Mm -hmm. And this is Leaders Alliance. Part of our challenge is to really, we want to see leaders grow up into the fullness mm -hmm. of their leadership capacity in Christ. Mm -hmm. You know, most leaders that I know, uh, unfortunately, are probably around on a scale of one to 10, maybe a five or six. Mm -hmm. We don't understand leadership at the level that we could. Mm -hmm. um, as you've worked with, let's say, the Bakers, or you've worked, you've kind of, you know, I don't know how close you were to John Wimber, but certainly Bob Fulton you've walked with in the Vineyard Movement, others. What are some of the keys you've seen in leaders that you admire, that you believe are key to helping the saints come into the fullness of what God has for us? Yeah, I mean, they. I'm so blessed by all the people that you mentioned, and I've been marked by them in different ways. Um, and needed them in different ways in my life. Um, I think like Heidi Baker um, and watching her leadership style, what I've mm -hmm. just observed and experienced, she literally values the presence of God and um, mm -hmm. makes time to uh, be in the presence of God every single day and to commune with, with the Lord and stay full of the oil and, um, you know, and she's a spiritual mother to me. And one thing yeah. that's really marked me by that relationship, which is like a covenant relationship, because she ordained me 10 years ago, and that's like covenanting for life. And it's um, God used her in key moments in my life, the key decisions I need to make, I would pray and we would talk and process and God would really use her in key transitions in my life. But she always believed in me mm. and always championed me. Yeah. And um, no matter what I did, good or bad, like I've had some messy moments um, <laughs> and she never gave up on me. And I wow. think having a person in your life that sees, believes, like sees you, you're good and you're bad and um, never gives up on you. It's pretty yeah. life changing for me as a younger leader receiving that, you know, Bob Fulton, he prayed me through so many things. He discipled me back in the day and he would um, walk me through, pray for me, you know, and really set taught me a lot about discipleship in a special way. I didn't personally know John Wimber, but was blessed to kind of grow in that movement, getting to partner with Bill um, Johnson uh, in, yeah. with his book, and then being under that culture and seeing the wisdom uh, and the humility and the space he creates for the Holy Spirit. Um, yeah, it's, I mean, I, I think there's so much to glean and honor um, the way that like if I honor them, I get part of their, I get the impartation from them. You know, if I serve these leaders, yeah. I, I get that. And that's uh, such a gift as well. And that's a good word to anybody listening to this is that, you know, one of the ways to grow in your leadership is to come alongside and serve a leader that you admire Absolutely. and to really be with them. And don't be afraid if you see some foibles or some faults in their life, because every one of us has them. Mm -hmm. But to be able to give yourself to serving them as unto the Lord can actually release a greater impartation into your life. I was just thinking as you were sharing about um, about Heidi that, uh, you know, I work closely with John and Carol Arnott. And mm -hmm. Carol and Heidi get a soaking time, I think, three hours every every week. They do, yeah. And together. And it's just amazing that they can actually be in the presence of the Lord together mm -hmm. over Zoom mm -hmm. and and really build this sisterhood in the spirit. Mm -hmm. Mm 
that mm-hmm. is so powerful. And and one of the stories about John and Carol Arnott is that, you know, when they decided to give their mornings to Jesus, mm-hmm. that, that's when all things began to break out in the yeah. original Toronto outpouring. Wow. And they're actually returning to that now over the last couple of years. They've been giving themselves again to this amazing season of, of just waiting on the Lord, like you talked about in our members meeting, in the hub meeting, wow. just that, that time spent just communing with Jesus mm-hmm. and, getting full of the oil again. Mm-hmm. And honestly, as you're talking about it, I get convicted because I tend to be more the, the doer. You know, my last name is Bro Doer. And, uh, <laughs> but uh, so you know, I, I get a good, you know, I get a good hour and a half usually most days in the present. And I read the Bible mm-hmm. every year, but mm-hmm. gosh, you know, that intimacy, mm-hmm. I'm jealous for that intimacy. Amen. Uh, something I long for. And so, mm-hmm. you know, as we wrap up right now, I'd love you to pray for us. Can you yeah. can you just pray for all of us listening? I so appreciate all that you're doing, your amazing mm-hmm. ministry, the revival schools. And also, I really want to make sure that we're able to publish contact information for you. And so uh, we'll have our team put that next to this, uh, to this video, um, the, the podcast. But we'll also make sure that it goes out on, you know, in other forms on our on our material, because I want people to be able to connect with you, to hear your message, to carry with you what you're carrying for the kingdom. But gosh, could you could you just pray a blessing over us? Yeah, absolutely. And I think you hit hit the nail on the head. It's Exodus 33. What else is going to distinguish us from anyone else or anything else in the world if it's not his presence? I don't want revival. I don't want my dreams come true if God's not going with me or if he's not there. And that is um, essential. So, Lord, I just pray that we would you would mark us with your presence, with a hunger for more of your presence, Lord, that we would be a people that are known. more than anything else as people that carry the fragrance and the aroma of heaven that we we carry the love of jesus that people encounter the love of jesus when they encounter us and so i pray for every single person that's going to listen to this or watch this later lord that you would come with a fresh baptism of your love right now lord would you overwhelm us with the father's love with the father's embrace with a fresh baptism of the Holy Spirit, with a fresh baptism of fire, a burning for you, Jesus, like never before. We just welcome you, God, to permeate us, to fill every single cell in our bodies with your Holy Spirit. Yes. And we yield afresh to you. We say yes to whatever you have for us, no matter what it looks like, no matter what it feels like, no matter how uncomfortable it may be, if you need to change our plans or agendas, if you need to turn our relationships in a different alignment, if you need to turn our world upside down, Lord, whatever it looks or feels like to be in perfect alignment with heaven, we yield and we say, yes, you can disrupt our plans and our lives. You can do whatever you want to do as long as we have more of you. We yield afresh to you today and we say we love you we need you we want you we bless you in jesus name amen amen well thank you so so much for being on this call and uh we're going to make sure that that your information gets out that people can connect do you have a a new school of revival coming up in the coming season we are doing third year 
Yes, okay. and we actually have um, a third year. Going... You have to go through first year first. No, or... no, you can do any intensive. We have a weekly, once a week at nighttime, uh, afternoon classes, and then we also have ten day live intensives. And so we have um, we have actually all the, a lot of e courses are ready right now. But we have a uh, Holy Spirit. We're going through Holy Spirit live right now, so people can jump in on that. And then right. next, uh, we'll probably have stuff in the summer, and we'll launch the next. Okay, well, give us give us contact info. Info. What's your okay. website? Uh, that one's schoolofrevivalfire.com, or you can find everything about me at jenmiskov.com. Just J-E-N-M-I-S-K-O-V.com. Excellent. J-E-N-S-M-I-S-K-O-V.com yeah. or schoolofrevivalfire.com. Yes. Excellent. Well, so good to see you. So good to get some hangout time with you. And so I, good. I want to keep going. Let's let's keep our friendship alive and going. Anyway, God bless all the rest of you. Thanks for watching and uh, tune in next week. We're going to have an amazing speaker. Tony Kim will be with us and it, this will be an open house. So he'll be speaking in our hub gathering, which you just go to leadersalliance.org and put in um, slash weekly call. You can go right to our gathering at 9 a.m. Pacific time, Wednesday next week, the first Wednesday of every month we do open house. And then you can join us afterwards for the podcast as well. But God bless all of you and we'll see you soon.